the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Companies that set out to change the world should stand for something. Something that matters. For Tanium, it was managing and protecting the world's growing number of endpoints. Tanium empowers organizations to embrace digital transformation and change the way people both work and live. They help critical government agencies see what's coming, protect and defend five branches of the U.S. military, and more than half of the Fortune 100 rely on Tanium to manage and secure their critical assets. To learn more, visit Tanium.com. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, the X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome everyone to Too Good To Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject for today's show is the 1969 moon landing. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject and research it. Based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize, and neither of us have any particular knowledge of history, politics, or aerospace. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. On the 20th July 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed the Apollo 11 lunar module, Eagle, on the moon surface. So we are now at the 50th anniversary of the first moon landing. How did it all start? 
In an address to a joint session of Congress on May the 25th, 1961, by President John F. Kennedy, quote, First, I believe that this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to the earth, unquote. The end of the decade could be interpreted as, interpreted as 1969 or 1970, so the wording was clever. How was that part of the speech received? Without applause. But the speech was apparently more about the Cold War, War than space travel, according to the Fast Company website. Quote, at that moment, four months into his presidency, Kennedy had previously suffered two worldwide humiliations. On April the 12th, the Russians had launched the first person into space. And just a week later, U.S.-backed forces invading Cuba at the Bay of Pigs had been routed and then captured by the army of Fidel Castro, resulting in what was widely regarded as a military debacle, a Cold War defeat and a moment of political amateurism and embarrassment, unquote. In 1961, the United States were behind the Soviet Union in a space race. Earlier in 1957, the Soviet Union launched the first satellite, Sputnik 1. On April the 12th, 1961, Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin orbited the Earth in Vostok 1 to be the first person in space. So was Kennedy's speech the start of the United States space program? It had already started under the previous president, Dwight D. Eisenhower. In 1959, the Mercury program commenced following the creation of NASA in 1958. The first American in space was John Glenn, who in February of 1962 orbited the Earth. But later that year, there was a terrifying turn of events. That was the Cuban Missile Crisis that put the world on the brink of destruction. Yes, the History Channel website provides an overview. Quote, during the... Cuban Missile Crisis, leaders of the U.S. and the Soviet Union engaged in a tense 13-day political and military standoff in October 1962 over the installation of nuclear-armed Soviet missiles on Cuba, just 90 miles from U.S. shores. In a TV address on October 22, 1962, President John Kennedy notified Americans about the presence of the missiles, explained his decision to enact a naval blockade around Cuba and made it clear the U.S. was prepared to use military force if necessary to neutralize this perceived threat to national security. Following this news, many people feared the world was on the brink of nuclear war. However, disaster was avoided when the U.S. agreed to Soviet leader Nikita Khrushchev's offer to remove the Cuban missiles in exchange for the U.S. promising not to invade Cuba. Kennedy also secretly agreed to remove U.S. missiles from Turkey, unquote. Then there was something rather unexpected. In 1963, President Kennedy suggested collaboration with the Soviet Union for space exploration, again from the History Channel website. Quote, much had changed by 1963, however. Relations with the Soviet Union had improved measurably. The Cuban Missile Crisis of October 1962 had been settled peacefully. A hotline had been established between Washington and Moscow to help avert conflict and misunderstandings. A treaty banning the open-air testing of nuclear weapons had been signed in 1963. On the other hand, the <coughs> U.S. fascination with the space program was waning. Opponents of the program cited the high cost of the proposed trip to the moon, estimated at more than 20 billion dollars. In the midst of all of this, Kennedy in a speech at the United Nations proposed that the Soviet Union and the United States cooperate in mounting a mission to the moon. Why, he asked the audience, therefore, should man's first flight to the moon be a matter of national competition? Kennedy noted, the clouds have lifted a little in terms of U.S.-Soviet relations and declared, the Soviet Union and the United States together with their allies can achieve further agreements agreements which spring from our mutual interest in avoiding mutual destruction, unquote. This approach had been suggested as a means for Kennedy getting out of his commitment to fly to the moon by the end of the decade by manipulating anti-Soviet public opinion. Alternatively, it could have been a means of continuing the program by sharing the massive cost. The speech at the United Nations was made on September the 20th, 1963. 
Two months, two months later, on November the 22nd, President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, Texas, with Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson then being sworn in as the 36th president. What changed under President Johnson? The idea of collaboration with the Soviet Union was dropped. Apparently, President Johnson, or LBJ as he was known, was, more, was perhaps more committed to the space program than Kennedy had been. The following is, again, from the History Channel website. Quote, long before he came, he took office following Kennedy's assassination, and indeed, even before he became vice president, Lyndon Baines Johnson was perhaps the politician most tied to America's space program. As Senate Majority Leader, LBJ was instrumental in passing the National Aeronautics and Space Act of 1958 that established NASA. As vice president, he helped define the agency's goals. It was his recommendation that pushed Kennedy to pick a moon landing as America's big goal in space. When he moved to the Oval Office, LBJ remained as committed to seeing Apollo liftoff at the end of the decade. He ensured the agency had the funding it needed and took steps to pass UN Outer Space Treaty that banned placing any nuclear weapons or weapons of mass destruction in space. The moon, he ensured, couldn't be claimed for one nation. When the crew of Apollo 1 was killed during a routine pre-launch test on January the 27th, 1967, he let NASA conduct his own, its own accident investigation in the name of keeping the program on schedule, unquote. How did the Apollo 1 disaster occur? It was largely because an atmosphere of pure oxygen and above atmospheric pressure was introduced into the space capsule rather than an oxygen-nitrogen mixture. In pure oxygen, any tiny spark will cause a rapid fire. Also, the astronauts had no means of escape once the fire had started. So they didn't know that oxygen is the most dangerous gas. Apparently not, but a strange odor resembling sour buttermilk in a capsule was detected by the crew before the fire. This was never explained, but the space program continued. What happened when LBJ left office? Here's more from the History Channel website, quote, but the rising costs of the ongoing war in Vietnam took a toll on Johnson's commitment to space towards the end of the decade. Funding Apollo was one thing, but LBJ was unwilling to approve significant funding for any additional hardware or Saturn V rockets that would play into post-Apollo programs. By the time he left office, NASA's budget was already dwindling but the agency was firmly on the cusp of accomplishing Kennedy's lunar landing goal, unquote. He didn't run for re-election, apparently owing to anti-Vietnam War sentiment, and left office in early 1969. Then newly elected President Nixon jumped aboard the bandwagon. So President Nixon was all for the moon landing. He was all for the kudos that went with it, again from the History Channel website. Quote, Though neither he nor his administration had contributed much to Apollo's success, Nixon was determined to use the lunar landing missions to bolster his own approval rating and reputation. To that end, he sought to inject himself into the mission. He wanted to have a pre-launch presidential reception separate from any NASA events. He wanted to watch the launch from somewhere interesting like a ship. When NASA discussed the idea of a phone call with Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, while they were walking on the moon, he jumped at the idea of a split-screen TV appearance with a live feed from the moon. But I think we're going to have to continue this after the break. Yes, we'll continue discussing this quote after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by shaman worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. And before the break, Daddy, you were quoting from the History Channel website about Nixon. Can you please continue? He wanted to have dinner with the crew before launch, ideally the night before they left, and was adamant about getting on a recovery carrier at the end of the mission. Though he hadn't campaigned for it, Nixon even got his name on the plaque fixed to the lunar module's leg. NASA decided to include the sitting president's signature along with the crew's in an attempt to secure a positive feeling on the agency's post-Apollo programs. Nixon even personally approved the inclusion of the text we came in peace for all mankind on the plaque, unquote. So that's the politics behind the moon landing. A more important story may be the science that was developed and the technological obstacles that were overcome. The story of technology is controversial, starting with its roots in Nazi Germany, in particular former SS Major Werner von Braun, as included in a Wikipedia article, quote, Werner Magnus Maximilian Freyer von Braun, March 23, 1912 to June 16, 1977, was a German-American aerospace engineer and space architect. He was the leading figure in the development of rocket technology in World War II, Germany, and a pioneer of rocket technology and space science in the United States. While in his 20s and early 30s, von Braun worked in Nazi Germany's rocket development program. He helped design and develop the B-2 rocket at Pienemunde during World War II. Following the war, he was secretly moved to the United States along with about 1,600 other German scientists, engineers and technicians as part of Operation Paperclip. He worked for the United States Army on intermediate range ballistic missile programs and developed the rockets that launched the United States for a space satellite Explorer 1. His group was assimilated into NASA, where he served as director of the newly formed Marshall Space Flight Center and as the chief architect of the Saturn V Super Heavy Lift launch vehicle that propelled the Apollo spacecraft to the moon. In 1975, von Braun received the National Medal of Science. He advocated a human mission to Mars, unquote. The V-2 rocket was the world's first large-scale liquid-propelled rocket vehicle and the first long-range ballistic missile. Among other attacks, about 1,400 B-2s were launched at Britain towards the end of World War II at the primary target area of London. At, a, at least 10,000 concentration camp workers died in the process of manufacturing V-2s. In the 1950s, Von Braun worked with Walt Disney, making three films about space exploration for television. It seems like the people behind Operation Paperclip just wanted to recruit technical know-how. 
Yes, the 1600 were government employees. It was apparently all about gaining the expertise to win the Cold War. The Soviets had also assimilated ex-Nazi scientists and engineers. But the person with the, the idea of how to successfully land on the moon was not Werner von Braun. Who was it? John Hubolt, who was behind the concept of the Lunar Orbit Rendezvous, or LOR, as opposed to direct ascent, where the entire moon rocket would have to land, or Earth Orbit Rendezvous, involving building a space station to assemble the direct ascent moon rocket. Wikipedia describes Lunar Orbit Rendezvous, or LOR, as follows, quote, In a LOR mission, a main spacecraft and a smaller lunar lander travel to lunar orbit, the land, lunar lander then independently descends to the surface of the moon, while the main spacecraft remains in lunar orbit. After completion of the mission there, the lander returns to lunar orbit to rendezvous and redock with the main spacecraft, then is discarded after transfer of crew and payload. Only the main spacecraft returns to Earth." Unquote. The main spacecraft was called the Command and Service Module. The major risk was a rendezvous for the return journey. If the rendezvous was not made, then it was certain death for the astronauts. But with the aid of onboard computers, it could be achieved successfully. But John Hubbard's concept was ignored by NASA, his employer, and only adopted in 1961 after he had written directly to NASA's associated, associate administrator, including the question, do we want to go to the moon or not? By 1963, Werner von Braun was on board but in the same year, John Hubolt left NASA. The alternatives would have involved building even larger rockets than the Saturn V, which was probably not feasible. What were the computers capable of in 1969? The flight guidance computer designed by MIT was about the size of a box of bananas and weighed 70 pounds or about 32 kilograms. The Coulter Mac website compares the Apollo 11 guidance computer to the iPhone. Quote, an iPhone with four gigabytes of RAM packs more than one million times more memory than the Apollo computer. Comparing ROM, a 512-gigabyte iPhone, is seven million times more powerful than the guidance computer, unquote. Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong apparently broke procedure by keeping the radar turned on when making a rendezvous with the command and service module Columbia, traveling at thousands of miles per hour. The flight guidance computer struggled to keep up. Successful use of technology available at the time now appears to have been miraculous. Maybe too miraculous. There are a lot of people, possibly up to 30% of the population, who believes the moon landing in 1969 never happened, nor the subsequent Apollo landings. The major belief appears to be to win the space race, the moon landings were faked. Let's look at the theories of why the moon landings were faked or, yeah, the moon landings were faked, starting with it being impossible to cross the Van Allen belt without being killed by high levels of radiation. The popular science website explains how the Van Allen belt was overcome by Apollo missions. Quote, the high radiation environment around our planet exists because charged particles become trapped in the Earth's magnetic field. The same magnetic field that protects us from deadly radiation also prevents that radiation from dissipating into space. The particles just don't have enough energy to escape. So the two belts are like two nested donuts circling the planet. Their altitudes vary slightly, but the inner donut sits between 600 and 3,700 miles above the planet and is comprised mainly of highly energetic protons. The outer donut, meanwhile, sits between 9,300 and 12,400 miles above the planet and is made up of both protons and electrons. The radiation environments of both vary more, den vary more dense in some places and nearly absent in others, unquote. The Apollo flight path was selected to go through the Van Allen belt in low radiation regions while monitoring radiation on board. The radiation within the spacecraft was reported as being within acceptable limits. What about the alleged role of film producer-director and screenwriter Stanley Kubrick? Author Jane Widner, who directed the documentary movie Kubrick's Odyssey, has stated that Kubrick produced the famous moon landing footage. The International Business Times website goes into details. Quote, 
The book author also claimed that Kubrick used a technique called front screen projection to shoot the lunar landing in a Hollywood studio. The technique involves the creation of an elaborate backdrop and projecting it on a clear reflective surface. The same technique was used for the 1968 movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. Wiener also claimed that Kubrick used the Space Odyssey movie as, a re as research on how to pull off the Apollo landing videos. The author pointed to certain film, film, film fingerprints that can be detected in both the 1968 movie and the 1969 landing footages. The theory was refuted by Kubrick's daughter Vivian in a tweet. There are many very real conspiracy that have happened throughout our history, but claims that the moon landings were faked and filmed by my father, I just can't understand it. The so-called truth these malicious cranks persist in forwarding that my father conspired with the US government to fake the moon landings is manifestly a grotesque lie, she said, unquote. What about the Coca-Cola bottle incident? Wikipedia explains the circumstances, quote, a resident of Perth, Western Australia, a woman named Una Ronald, a pseudonym created by the authors of the source, said that for two or three seconds she saw a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the lower quadrant of her television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of the Apollo 11 EVA. She also said that several letters appeared in the Western West Australian, West Australian discussing the Coca-Cola bottle incident within 10 days of the lunar landing, unquote. EVA stands for extravehicular activity or walking on the moon. However, the Coca-Cola bottle sighting was apparently not reported for any other viewer, but Australia was a big part of the events that day. What happened in Australia? The Parks Observatory in New South Wales made it possible for Neil Armstrong to be seen stepping out of the lunar module. NASA switching, switched the signal between the three tracking stations and got to the park signal eight minutes into the broadcast. The tracking stations had to be in line of sight to receive transmissions. The PRI website explains that the pictures arriving on our television screens at the right moment almost didn't happen. Quote, on the day of the moonwalk of all days, a violent squall hit the telescope. The dish was fully tipped over waiting for the moon to rise and minutes before Buzz Aldrin was to switch on the television camera, the squall hit with very high winds, including two gusts of 110 kilometers per hour, which actually pushed the dish back, causing the tower that sitting on, its sh sitting on it to shudder and sway, said John Sarkisian, an operations scientist at Parks Observatory in Australia. This was a very close call right before prime time, but there was a twist of fate. But I think we're going to have to mention that after the break. Yes, we'll continue after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. How would your life change if you could develop the business and personal skills that you need in order to make more money? Do you want to learn how to achieve your big life goals faster? Then go to findhiddenmoney.com and get the Goal For It online course. The course teaches you how you can set and achieve your biggest goals while completely overcoming the roadblocks to your goals so that you can realize your dreams and imagine more success. Go to findhiddenmoney.com. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit iconquality.com. 
Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were quoting from the PRI website, explaining the pictures on television screens. So dad, can you please continue with the quote? Yes. Aldrin switched on the camera on the outside of the lunar module as Armstrong descended the ladder and the moon just moved in and rose up above our telescope's horizon and the astronomers at Parks were able to receive the television picture. It was quite remarkable. The timing was amazing. You couldn't have scripted, better, scripted it better, said Sarkisian, unquote. There's also the theory that the lack of stars as well as angles of the shadows suggests that the pictures were shot in a studio, even if Stanley Kubrick hadn't been involved. Apparently stars were only seen when orbiting the moon. Sunlight or reflected light from the Earth washed out the light from the stars. An episode of Mythbusters in 2008 demonstrated that the shadows and pictures taken at a time whereas would be expected in terms of being at the correct angles. The weirdest story for me is that NASA raised the tapes of the Apollo 11 moonwalk. After spending billions of dollars to reach the moon and then losing the tape seems to be more than negligent. But in 2019, an NPR article suggests that NASA were not that embarrassed about it. Quote, an exhaustive three-year search for some tapes that contain the original footage of the Apollo 11 moonwalk has concluded that they were probably destroyed during a period when NASA was erasing old magnetic tapes and reusing them to record satellite data. We're all saddened that they're not there. We all wish we had 2020 hindsight, says Dick Nafziger, a TV specialist at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center in Maryland, who helped lead the search team. I don't think anyone in the NASA organization did anything wrong, Nafziger says. I think it slipped through the cracks and nobody's happy about it, unquote. In 2011, NASA were also reported losing 517 samples of moon rock from the Apollo missions that apparently had been loaned out to researchers. Before we get to the questions, we have got to talk about Santa Claus and the flag. The Santa Claus story has been covered by numerous sources, including the London Daily Mail in December 2015. Quote, Three flying saucers were, spots, were spotted on the moon during NASA's lunar landings, according to the bizarre claims of a former NASA contractor. In video testimony, Donna Hare said the space agency covered up a series of UFO sightings that they codenamed Santa Claus. Hare claims that she was told by numerous sources, which she does not name, about three UFOs that landed shortly after one of the moon landings, unquote. Donna Hare also claims that NASA threatened those not to speak about UFO sightings or had airbrushed pictures. During the Apollo 8 mission, astronaut Jim, Novel, Jim Lovell said, there is a Santa Claus to celebrate when the engines lit on the far side of the moon to break lunar orbit and allow the spacecraft to return to Earth. The Stars and Stripe was photographed on the moon looked like it, looking like it was flapping, which is impossible in no atmosphere. According to NASA, the flag can be, had, can be seen moving because Neil Armstrong was twisting the flagpole to get it deep into the moon's soil. Also, there was a horizontal bar to stop the flag from drooping. The Apollo missions ended in 1972, with Apollo 17 being the last time a human walked to the moon. But with that, it's time for the first question. In President Kennedy's address to the Joint Session of Congress on May the 25th, 1961, 
Was the wording before the decade is out to get to the moon deliberately vague to be interpreted as either by 1969 or by 1970? Yes. Why was that part of the speech greeted with no applause? Basically, since the timeline was not so important to many people, so they just wanted it as soon as possible. What was Kennedy's motivation for setting the goal to get to the moon? Basically, to impress Americans and also compete with other countries. So it was almost like showing that Americans had accomplished more than other countries and to have those bragging rights. So was being the first to the moon more about the Cold War in terms of leading in aerospace and merely the desire to explore? Yes. Why was the Bear Pig such a disaster? Was it because of the lack of a Cuban uprising? That could be said, yes. Was part of the aftermath the Soviet Union using Cuba to sight missiles that could attack the United States? Yes. How close was the world to nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962? Very close. It was at a point more likely that a missile would be fired compared to not fired. So the world got very lucky. Was the world helped in avoiding a missile launch? Yes, there is help for many different sides. Has the world been at least as close again to nuclear war since that time? Currently, the nuclear situation is getting closer and closer to being at that point. So we have a lot to worry about. Yes. Why did President Kennedy suggest collaboration with the Soviet Union for the space program? Was it to share the escalating costs or was it because Kennedy wanted the country to lose interest in the commitment that he had made? Or was it because he wanted an end to the Cold War? It was a little bit of all those ideas, but also to share the technology. So you knew that if the technology was shared, then the process would be much quicker also. After the Kennedy assassination, why did incoming President Johnson drop the idea of collaborating with the Soviet Union? Basically because it was a very risky idea. So that meant giving the Soviet Union a lot of US ideas. And there were also some, you can say, stipulations to the deal where they would get a lot more technology and money, and the sharing was just putting them in more power again. Would there have been a moon landing in 1969 if there had been no Kennedy assassination? It's hard to say since it's a timeline of events. So the timeline of events could have shifted for many different reasons, but without the assassination, it probably wouldn't would have been completed sooner, yes. Without contributing to the space program before taking office in early 1969, how did President Nixon think he could be taken seriously and closely identifying with the moon landing, apparently to receive some of the glory? Basically, he thought he was more important and had a lot more supporters than he did. So he thought that whatever he said, people would listen to and wouldn't check into many facts and details. What can we learn from the politics that was behind the space program? That they are very, very complicated, so that when money and technology and accomplishment is at play, there are a lot of deals, discussions, and you could say there's a lot of drama that occurs. So everyone has their own opinion, so it is hard to come to a middle ground. And especially with space, it's something where one person may feel very strongly about it, while another may not. With the dangers of an oxygen-enriched atmosphere now being well understood, how did the Apollo 1 disaster occur in January of 1967? Basically, just not enough knowledge and human error. So people were not careful enough and did not do all the safety checks and realized how dangerous everything was. So you could say small, some small corners were caught with the knowledge that they were be, being cut. What was the source of the strange odor in the Apollo 1 capsule resembling sour buttermilk? That was reported by the crew before the fire. It was the beginning of the fire. So it was the heating where the fire was caused from. So you can think of it as a smell where something is melting and burning, but it's just before the smell. Changing subject to Werner von Braun and Operation Paperclip, would the first moon landings have been possible on schedule without the help of Nazi rocket scientists? It would have been very difficult without the help. So the simple answer is probably not. But again, it really depends on the timeline and the shifts in the timeline. 
Was it necessary for Werner von Braun to join the SS to rise to becoming a leading expert in rocket technology in Nazi Germany? You could say that, yes. Was Van Brown's involvement in broadcast for Walt Disney in the 1950s planned as part of his rehabilitation in the public mind after rising to the rank of major in the SS? Yes. What can we learn from the use of ex-Nazi personnel to provide know-how for a successful space program? Unfortunately, with everything the Nazis did, they also made accomplishments in technology, experimentation, and science. So the problem is that the research, for the most part, was very unethical, and they went to some very hasty measures to get results. However, unfortunately, the results from these experiments were helping technology grow, including the space program. So they did get results. However, the means to get these results were 100% unethical. Why did John Hubolt have to go to extreme lengths to persuade his employer, NASA, that lunar orbit rendezvous was the only option if there was going to be a moon, if there was going to be a moon landing by the end of the decade? Basically, people didn't realize all the small details behind the moon landing, so they weren't comprehending how difficult the journey would be. And some of the higher-ups thought it was as simple as sending the people up there, not thinking of much else. But their only goal was to get on the moon. So it took some greater minds to think about the details that would go into this. Why did it take until 1963 for Werner von Braun to get on board with planning for lunar orbit rendezvous? Basically just a difference of opinions again. So one person thinks they're right, but the next person thinks they're right, and so on. Without the space program, would it have, been, would it have taken many more years before modern computers would have become available? The simple answer is yes, since NASA did make very large advancements in computers. Don't think we've got time for the next question before the break, Justina. Well, I think it's a good time to mention our Instagram page. So you can find us on Instagram at 2, which is T-W-O, and then G-T-B-T. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. 
Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. too good to be true and before the break we are going through the psychic insight about the 1969 moon landing dad can you please continue with the questions what can we learn from a maverick in john hubolt having to provide the most efficient hardware solution in the lunar orbit rendezvous basically that the jumps in technology happen very quickly and this and that some minds great minds went into those and also that when there is a solution most of the time, humans can get to some way, some type of way to get there. So once they know exactly what they need to do, the technology kind of falls in a place in a way. How much did the Soviets know at the time about the progress of the moon landing, including the creation of the flight computer that weighed 70 pounds? They knew some details, but they didn't know exact details. So they were aware of the computer being built, but also didn't actually think it was going to work. Was the flight computer powerful enough to make the calculations for the lunar module rendezvous with the command and service module orbiting the moon? Or did Bose Aldrin and L. Armstrong have to improvise with radar to achieve the correct, the correct flight path? They did improvise also, so the computer was not at the point where it could do everything that computers could do today. So there was human intervention also. Why do up to 30% of the population believe that the moon landing in 1969 never happened? Basically because of the photos and how the conspiracies are around the moon landing. So to some people, one, it seems shocking that humans could actually make it to the moon. And two, others don't really believe that the technology at that point could have made it there. And there is also the doubt that maybe the moon landing was faked, just so that the Americans could almost rally the people. Did the Apollo 11 flight path go through the Van Allen belt in no radiation regions? Yes. Was the radiation within the spacecraft within acceptable limits? Acceptable is a very difficult word, especially when it comes to radiation, but based on current limits, yes. Was Stanley Kubrick involved in Apollo 11 in any capacity using his director or cinematography skills? There was some, yes, but not in the way that most people think. Did the filming of the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey have anything to do with the stills of footage provided by television stations throughout the world during the Apollo 11 mission? In a way that could be said, yes. Did Kubrick help with the production of television pictures and stills? Yes. But he didn't create anything artificial. The photos that we're seeing are, depending on the source, are either real, yes, or slightly altered. So the original photos that are 100% not altered would be very hard to get your hands on, but they do exist. Did a resident of Perth, Western Australia, observe for two or three seconds a Coca-Cola bottle roll across the television screen that was displaying the live broadcast of the Apollo 11 moonwalk? It looked like a Coke bottle, yes, but it was not. Did anyone else watching observe something like a Coke bottle on their television screen? Yes. What was the object that looked like a Coke bottle? It was actually a very unusual rock, so it was not actually a bottle. <laughs> 
How was the Parkes Observatory in New South Wales, Australia, able to pick up the signal from the moon just as it, just at the exact moment when Neil Armstrong descended the ladder for his first steps to be broadcast to the world? They were in the right time at the right place at the right time. So with how signals work, it was just very easy for them since the signal connected directly to them. Was any of the footage broadcast on television created in a studio and not as feed from the moon? There were additions, yes. So there was footage from the moon, but there were also some slight additions, you could say. Why were those additions made? Was it to get the people behind the space program? That and also to make it more interesting, since when going to the moon, a lot of people expected more. So a lot of people expected to find not just a hunk of rock, but instead more there. So they enhanced it to make it a little bit more interesting for people to watch. Was the absence of stars and pictures taken from the moon due to sunlight or light reflected from the Earth, washing out the light from the stars? Yes and no. It was also the angles of how the photos were taken. Was the 2008 episode of Mythbusters correct in that shadows and pictures taken at the time were at the correct angles indicating that they were authentic? Yes, that is true. After spending almost a decade and many billions of dollars to reach the moon, how could NASA raise the tapes of the Apollo 11 moonwalk? Unfortunately, that's just stupidity, and also they don't want just anyone to get their hands on the tapes, so they didn't want anyone else to have the footage. Why wouldn't backups be made and carefully stored in vaults? They were. Is there anything you could say about the tapes not being available now? They're not available to the public, but there are some still existing. Again, with all the expense and effort, how could NASA lose 517 samples of moon rock that apparently had been loaned out to researchers? That was just a big, huge mix-up. So that was not NASA's fault. There is more the responsibility that was not there, and they shouldn't have loaned them out in the first place. Were three extraterrestrial crafts spotted on the moon during NASA's lunar landings? There were unknown objects spotted, yes. Is there anything you could say about them? They were of strange origins, so they were not human. Were the sightings that were codenamed Santa Claus covered up? You could say that, yes. Did NASA threaten individuals not to speak about extraterrestrial craft sightings? That could be said. Had NASA airbrushed pictures to remove any content resembling extraterrestrial craft? Yes. During the earlier developmental Apollo 8 mission, did astronaut Jim Lovell say, there is a Santa Claus merely to celebrate the engines lighting on the far side of the moon for a safe return to Earth? There is more to that statement than just that. Were humans helped by non-humans to get to the moon? Humans were helped by outside forces and more advanced technology from places other than human knowledge. Did the U.S. flag photographed on the moon look like it was flapping because Neil Armstrong twisted a flagpole to get it deep into the moon's soil? Yes. Did a horizontal bar keep the flag supported and visible rather than drooping with no atmosphere to support the fabric? Yes. Aside from the power of the medium of television, what can we learn, what can we learn from the reality of the moon landings in July of 1969 as opposed to the content that was provided on the world's television screens? Basically, the hardest part about any significant event is that even back then and today, pictures can be changed, videos can be altered, information can be changed fully. So the hardest part is that anything technology-wise is in a state now, even more than then, that can be changed and altered to whatever people want. So it is up to each person to believe in what they want to believe in, and if something is real or fake. And the significance of the moon landing was obviously very high for the people. However, there are always going to be people who doubt it. And NASA wanted to make sure it was an event that everyone would remember, which means not everything was 100% true. So that needs to be kept in mind for future events and especially space travel. It's very difficult when someone is feeding you information as you cannot see the input information for yourself. Why is there renewed interest in space travel and perhaps getting a woman to the moon and to achieve a landing of persons on Mars? 
So for a woman to get to the moon, it is just the interest of equality and getting a female there. And for going to Mars, it goes back to building on Mars and make a good almost vacation spot, eventually a more permanent place for humans to live. So this mission to Mars would be the next step, so is the moon. And now a lot of people feel it's time to discover and explore another place. Was an aftermath of the Apollo missions, people becoming accustomed to moon landings with no great interest in continuing? Yes and no, that and they didn't think that the expense was worth it anymore. So the money was too great for them, for the payoffs they were seeing. However, the newer generations have not seen moon landings, but that's why they would like to do Mars landings instead, where it has the same awe effect. That was the last answer. Were all the 1976, sorry, were all the 1969 moon landing pictures as seen on the world's television screens too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. Well, watching it at the time, I have to admit I'm old enough, uh, it was kind of surreal. Uh, I wasn't that old, but watching it uh, on our television screens, actually classes were cancelled at the high school and we watched it and it was, can you really believe it? We were kind of pinching ourselves. I think the strange thing from my perspective is I never saw any of the moon landings because I'm too young for that. So it's interesting to think that now we have everything live streamed, basically anything you can think of. But my generation has never seen a moon landing, not at least while it's happening. And the interesting thing was after Apollo 11, it seemed to um, people seem to lose interest. And then Apollo 13 happened, which was in a way more even more miraculous than Apollo 11. They got back safely. And of course, there's a movie about that. And that renewed the interest. And then after that, it just sort of waned completely. Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mars since it's been greatly talked about, even about building different pods and places for people to live on Mars. So that's an interesting point. But on that note, I will mention our Facebook page and our Instagram. And you can follow us and send us any comments or suggestions on our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True with the first two spelled T-W-O or Instagram page at Too GTBT. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to next week's show. children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500 plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, 
haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light.